how are you? I don't mean during worship. I mean, my goodness, that just skews and changes everything. So if I were to take a poll right now, you would all be like, I'm doing fine. Because when we worship, you get reframed. I get that. But maybe I'm just speaking to those of you watching on demand later after this is recorded that uh, really, how are you? I don't mean in the American greeting sort of way. COVID has changed our patterns. Every time I talk with people, there, there's a sense of, e- even if you look at your current reality, you feel like there's just a, a heaviness, like a cloud following you right now. And, and it can be really complicated. And we look at the election right now this weekend, and as Pastor Paul said, Tuesday's a big day. But Wednesday's when it really matters, when we step up and really be the church and we be the people of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God flourishes. But here's the problem. An observation that I've made as I've just watched people through the years, nothing erodes faith quicker than circumstances. Really, name one thing that goes into, I mean, any bad circumstance that happens erodes faith quicker than anything else. And so you ask the question, why, God? Why did this happen? And you watch your circumstance continue to erode and you start to ask the question, well, how do, how do I get out of this? And, and so your faith sometimes can be on shifting sand as you watch things erode around you. And, and your faith sometimes can be included in that. Because another thing that I've discovered is that humans, well, they're not very good at interpreting those circumstances. You know, so you start to watch a a circumstance kind of go out of control and you look at it and you say, I I can't control this. And and so you, you actually say, I'm going to fix this. And then you start to do it on your timetable, and you start to kind of push things through. And, and then you start to say kind of ultimatums, okay, God, I'll give you till the weekend. But here, here's where it gets interesting. So while we're looking at our watches and really trying to get a quick response from God, God is looking at the calendar, looking for the right season. And that's what I want to talk about today, how to deal with circumstances that so quickly erode the, the life around you, because that's what we're living through right now. For the past eight, nine months, and let's be honest, since we've been born, because <laughs> we were born into a world that has spiraled out of control. Why? Well, because we're living in a fallen world. We're not home yet. So how do you live in this? And how do you navigate these circumstances? Because what I've discovered is that while we're looking at our watches for that quick response, God says, wait a minute, I'm waiting on my timing. Because one thing that I have been assured of in my own walk, personally, what I've witnessed, and what I've seen God do in the world, is that God always answers, always answers our prayers. But the problem is, is sometimes he says no. (laughs) We go, but I want it my way, because we want to take matters into our own hands. Sometimes God says, slow, hang on, the timing isn't right. I mean, even even with the coming of Jesus Christ, it said God waited until an opportune time, until the world was ready, the Roman roads were created, the the message of Jesus could be spread. I mean, you look at in circumstances of history, it was the perfect moment in time. So God says, slow, wait on the right timing. Sometimes God says, grow. I need you to grow up because you ain't ready to handle what's coming your way. 
And then sometimes God does say, go. This is time. Let's, let's go. And it's beautiful when your timetable and God's timetable come together. But do you notice 75% of the time, God's answers don't align with your timetable. So your circumstances get kind of jumbled up. So I want to give you two words today. I'm going to take you into a scripture that uh, is just loaded, loaded with an answer for us. And it's really just two words. And what I want you to do is look for these two words in what I'm about to read. And what they will show you is really a repetitive time. These two words show up twice. See if you can find that. I'm, I'm going to take us into um, second or into uh, 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 into uh, my goodness. Where are we going? To First Timothy, not second. I was in Second Timothy. So First Timothy, chapter six. Listen to how this words, and um, this is really an, a mentor who had proper perspective, who had proper ability to read the circumstances. His name was the Apostle Paul, and he's writing a letter to his a mentee. His name was Timothy. He calls him even a young son. He, he says, I want to train you in how to live in this world. Notice, see if you can see these two words that he repeats in here, to coach him through tough circumstances. This is 1 Timothy 6, verses 10 through 14. He says, Some people, eager for money, what does money represent, by the way? It represents security. So some people, eager for money, for security, have wandered from the faith, and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. Have you ever been there? You go after your agenda, and your life is pierced. What an incredible use of language, pierced. Gosh, I've just stabbed myself. What have just happened? With many griefs, they've caused their life to stumble. But you, man of God, says Paul to Timothy, flee from all of this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the sight of God, who gives life to everything of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, also made the good confession I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You probably saw the two words repeated two different times. Good confession. The, the good confession. What Paul is coaching Timothy to do is to rise above the circumstance Life all around us, no matter what, if you're living in any era in history, you're going to see complicated times. You're going to see circumstances really messy. And so Paul is speaking to Timothy in very much a chaotic time. You have the Roman Empire and you have persecution. You have all sorts of fear and anxiety. Christians had to hide in, in secrecy, and yet God called them to be bold so they would rise up. And, and there was bloodshed over their faith. And he said, you, young mans, hold to your good confession, just as Jesus, before Pontius Pilate, declared his good confession. Well, what is a, a good confession? Well, it's showing us that Christianity is not a, a, a 
people of, is not a religion followed by, filled with faith of, uh, or of feelings and circumstances. It's a people of faith who rise above these circumstances and say, wait a minute, okay, everything around me is chaotic, but I'm going to have the faith to rise above this. I'm going to attach my life to something greater than this moment. I am going to hold fast to a bigger confession than my current reality describes. You young man going through a tough time, hold to your good confession to rise above this moment. In other words, what he's telling us is a Christ follower is one who realizes, wait a minute, my confession is rooted in a historical story. My, my good confession is connected to a person who died for me and rose from the grave. My good confession is attached and is rooted in the bigger history of the world. In other words, no matter what happens in the midst of this moment in the story of God, his story, I'm going to be okay because I hold to something bigger than the moment. In other words, my God is bigger than this moment. That changes everything. When you stand over a casket and you don't even know how to say goodbye, or in COVID, some of us haven't been able to stand over the casket and have had closure, how do you grieve? How do you feel the the weight of God's glory in the midst of, I don't even know how to handle my own human emotions? Hold to the good confession that Jesus Christ has risen from the grave and has given me something to hold on to when nothing else has any strength to give me a rootedness in life. When, when the doctor gives you those results, when the election comes back and doesn't give you the results that you want, what do you hold to? Well, you hold to the good confession. Think about what this means. We're, our story is rooted in something so much greater than us that not, the Egyptians couldn't stop the movement of God. The Assyrians couldn't. The Babylonians couldn't. The Romans certainly couldn't squash the movement of God. No world war has been able to squash the movement of Jesus Christ in this world. His kingdom comes no matter what the era. That is the good confession. It is held firm through everything, through every wind that has come and trying to blow us away. We have victory. That's what we're talking about here. This moment is never bigger than our God. So hold fast to it. This is my confession. I find this peace. That's that first Timothy that I just read. Some people eager for security, eager for money, trying to get what they wanted, have wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. I've tried, God, you don't do it my way. You don't do it fast enough. You know, because what I said in the beginning, we are terrible at interpreting circumstances. So when you take matters into your own hands, memorize this verse that's on the screen. If it's up there, bring it back up. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. 
That's what we do so quickly. These, we say, I'm going to fix it myself. I'm going to do it my way. And before you know it, your life just tumbles and tumbles and tumbles out of control. God is saying, don't do that. You, young woman, you say, but I'm 70. You're still young. In the eyes of God, you are still young. Uh, you, young man, stay strong in the faith. Do not wander and pierce yourselves with many griefs because every time you try to take security into your own hands, it causes nothing but pain and suffering. That's what heart check has always been about as a people. We have, for the past 12 years, have been a people who have just said, we are going to hold fast to the story of Jesus Christ. And our security is not going to come in everything that we can do for ourselves. It's about really, in many ways, not the accumulation of our lives. It's about the contribution of our lives. And as we've joined in with the movement of what God is doing, we have seen nothing but blessing after blessing after blessing of connection with God. And that, frankly, is what blessing means. When I think about blessing, people think blessing is about me, me, me. What can I get? Blessing is always about God. It's always about the fulfillment of connection with God. I mean, don't you, just, don't you think, my goodness, if, if I can have an intimacy with God, that trumps everything else in this world, period. And so, God, I want your blessing. I want your connection. I want to be holding fast to my, conf my confession in you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords of my life forever. Because heart check really challenges us, and it, it asks the question, where is your faith established? Where do you get your security? Is it in your own self-reliance, or is it in your reliance upon the Lord? I mean, it's that clean. That's what's so beautiful. It checks your heart. It's a chance to say, wait, what really matters to me? Where is the value of, what do I value in this world? Well, this is a chance to check. Where's my heart at? Is my heart about just making sure that I take care of me, myself, and I, my family, my friends, that I can have the life that I control? Or, like Jesus said, count the cost. When you give your life away, it's about saying, Lord, I trust you with my life. What does that mean? Well, it's, it means intimacy with God. And here's what it really means. <laughs> it means you've got something strong and stable to hold on to in, in the midst of any storm that comes our way. It's about them. It's about people we haven't met yet. It's about being a part of the, the contribution of our lives for the movement of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God being advanced throughout the world, period. And we get to be a part of that. We just did a, uh, a survey as a church, and we needed 445 of you, uh, different family connections or individuals who fill out a form for us. It was a half an hour survey. We needed 445 of you. You know how many we got? <laughs> 715. <laughs> you guys went nuts. You're like, we're all in. We want to tell you what we really think. And so we got lots of data. Uh, and so the researcher that did this for us actually gave us a 99% accuracy rate. And so um, we're like, these are dependable results. And uh, on November 16th, we're actually going to reveal them. It's a Monday night. You're all welcome to come here. We're going to um, send out, um, I've already sent an email for Zoom connections. But the reason I bring it up right now is because there was one, uh, there was one part in the survey that was like, I couldn't have scripted it any better. 
It categorized, uh, we, I mean, like, it's this thick. We've got so much data. Like, I know everything about what's happening in and among us. It's been so fantastic to read, and thank you for the feedback, and thank you for the information. I mean, it gives us lots of decision-making moving forward into the future. But this was what was so fun. There were some parts that sliced us into generations, and it just broke us into three different generational thoughts um, and different age brackets demographically. And in there... We disagreed on a lot generationally. Are you surprised by that? (laughs) You should do this. No, you should do this. No, you should do this. But there were four different occasions where we were identical. And at the top of all of them, all three of our generations within our church, all three agreed at the very top was, we want to reach people for Jesus Christ And we want to connect with people who don't know the Lord. Come on, that's cool. And what I found by that was it made me realize that's the heart of what Heart Check is all about. And at at all generations, we disagree on how we see ministry and how we see life and how we see the world. I get that. The world has changed before all of our eyes. But at the core... We are so unified. We are lockstep in agreement that what we're doing for Heart Check makes sense. We want to bless the world with the movement of what Jesus is doing. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that good confession of saying, Jesus, I love what you're doing and what you're calling us toward. And as we think about Heart Check really being about reaching people, I've really discovered there's really one of three things you can do with your life. Every one of us, if you were to categorize all aspects of our life, three things you can do. One, you can waste your life. And a lot of people do that. Woo, the biggest party. Let's just party our way through life, whatever fun we can have. And your life is about the next big fun adventure. And you can do that. Absolutely. A lot of people do that. They just waste their life away and they, they just squander it away. A second thing you can do with your life is you can spend your life. I would say a lot more people spend their life than waste their life. Spending your life means this. You contribute your life toward a company, toward a business that you build, or toward some project that you put your life into, and you spend everything you've got. You completely put all that you've got into this. Climbing that ladder, connecting in these different ways, what I've found about people who spend their life, a lot of times they, it's about, in some ways, the security of, of accumulation of stuff, the accumulation of wealth. A lot of times that can be what it means to spend your life. I'll show, in light of the third thing I'm about to talk about. And what I've noticed as I've gotten into some deep, people who have let me into their life and to have some sessions where we get into some deeper conversations I love what I discover about spending life when, when I say, wow, you're so successful. You've accomplished all of this and you've climbed up to the top and you have all these people who are following you and you've really spent your life well. You've, you, you've poured in all this. I mean, you can, you can see a lot of good that can come from it because you've contributed to the world's economy. You've contributed to helping so many people. A lot of times people who spend their life are very generous. I mean, they're just loaded with all of this opportunity. But at the core, when somebody lets me into a deeper part of their heart, a person who spends their life frequently, what I've discovered, is there's a hurt deep within them. 
a lot of times there's a sense that they look at their life and they, they see how the world is so alluring that they think if I get a little bit more money, a little bit higher, then I can get that. Like they see somebody who they're jealous of in their formative years or even in their contributing years of adulthood, and they want that. And they go after it with all they've got. And so you spend, you invest, you know, 80-hour work weeks and you just spend, spend, spend. But they get there and it's like really sand through the fingers. And it's like shifting sand of faith that I was talking about earlier. And it just kind of fades because you get there and you're like, wait a minute. It wasn't as satisfying as I thought it was going to be. Because they didn't realize there's a third way to live. Because frankly, the sad part of spending your life is that when you retire, you get easily replaced. There's 25 other people ready to take your place so quickly and gladly. Enjoy the gold watch. Have a nice retirement. And it's sad because you've spent so much of your life. Well, it's, I want to give you an, an alternative. And here's the good news. If you have a pulse, uh, you've heard me say, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. So you, if you have a pulse right now, uh, that's good news for this next statement. You can still do this third thing with your life. You can invest your life. And I want to show you something that some of you have probably never seen before about what Jesus says. Did you know that Jesus says, I want you to have a big bank account? Did you know that? He literally said, I'm going to show you exactly in just a second. Jesus said, I want you to have a big bank account. And he even says, for yourself. What? I've read the whole Bible. I've never seen that everywhere, anywhere you say. Absolutely, it's in there. Let me read it to you. This is Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Here's what Jesus says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Okay, well, there he says, do not build up a bank account, right? That's what he says. Do not store up, so Ken just lied to me. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But there's a but to this, so I am right. Ready? Verse 20. This is Matthew 6, 20. Look at it for yourself if you don't believe me. But store up for yourself. Ah, gather a bunch of stuff. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. He says it. Store up for yourself. You're like, oh, heavenly bank account. Oh, okay. That's exactly what he's talking about. If you invest in the things of earth, they are going to be destroyed by, by rust, moth, and, and thieves will steal from you. Or children at the, you know, at the inheritance, you know, where you grab the will and I want it. No, I want it. You know, then there's all this grumpiness. But Jesus says, store up for yourself. Build a huge bank account in the heavenly realm. Store up for yourself a treasure. I mean, he even gives us the permission to build up for treasure. And so what is he saying here? He's saying you can only keep that which you give away. Now, I know you could say, oh, my goodness, it's heart check. Yeah, you're supposed to be, we're raising money, and so it's all about giving away. I'm going to describe very clearly our philosophy of giving in just a minute. So this is not a ploy. This is not trying to manipulate you into any kind of emotionalism. This is just helping you understand a different economy. Back in the summer, we did this thing. We talked about the upside-down kingdom. God's kingdom is the exact opposite of everything on earth. The earth does not do things properly. If you want a life that is filled with satisfaction, stability, peace, joy, you got to do things God's way. 
And so God actually gives us permission to store for yourself treasure there. Well, how do you, how do, you do that? Well, you, you join in with the movement of what God is doing. This heart check time is really about us as a church saying we are not going to hoard. We could over these tens, over $10 million that we've given away, we could have hoarded that. Just think of all that we could have done with that. We could have had water slides around here. We could have changed our name to Water Park Wesleyan. I mean, we could have done all sorts of great things with that. But instead, we've been at a congregation that says, wait a minute, we're about the kingdom of God. And the ministries are endless in what God has done in and through us forever. And we get to be a part of that. Praise God for this privilege. I want to be really clear on what we do as a congregation because uh, I've said this before and I'm going to say it over and over again, but I want to read this for you. When it comes to the issue of giving, because every time I talk about giving, people say, oh, I invited a friend to church today or you're not going to share this podcast with, you know, you're not this uh, message online because you say, oh, it's about money. No, it's about connecting with God. It's about holding on to the good confession in in Jesus Christ. Because look at what it says. This is Paul's words to us. Again, the same one who gave mentoring to Timothy said these words to the church. 2 Corinthians 9. Whenever you do any kind of raising of money, listen to this, verse 7 of chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Did you see what that just said? Three things. One, give thoughtfully. Give thoughtfully. That's why right now we are not, we are not um, receiving any of the pledges right now because we want you to take some time to think about this. We can't, because of COVID, give out any brochures. Every year during Heart Check, we've given out brochures. We can't do that. We don't want to touch. We want to try to make this as touch-free zone as possible. So I'm begging every one of you, just go to the website. We have had very few of you go to the website to this point. That needs to change. You got to look at it. You got to thoughtfully look at this. We have 15 partner ministries who we are investing deeply in. And I want you to get to know one of them or all of them. But pick one and pray about it. Connect with them. Go deep in relationship with them. If you notice, we have in the, you can go out here uh, and grab one of these. Again, you, we don't really want to touch, so we really prefer that you actually print this off at home, bring it next week. But this is just a commitment card. And at the bottom, three powerful ways. I want you to, I want to commit to pray for these partner ministries. I would like to engage. This is another thing you can sign. I would like to engage with the partner ministry, so I want you to let me know more information. And then here's my pledge for the next um, year and a half. This is what we're asking you to. Connect with these ministries. Invest in them. What you're doing and so connecting with these ministries is you're, if you will, building up treasure in heaven. By investing in what God is doing on earth, it's the one thing that lasts forever. This is a faith story. This is a movement of what God is doing. And it, it's, it's beautiful. So he says, give thoughtfully. Look on the website. Study these groups and what we're going after. These ministries are phenomenal. They are, in essence, helping us to multiply the ministry of Watermark. If we had just hoarded everything and just kept everything to ourselves, we would not have near the influence that God has opened these doors for. We have multiplied our ministry infinite times because it's about them being a part of what God is doing and we get to join them 
Just like when each of us, our family does this, your family does this, when we each make a commitment to the church, we get to take our small family pot and join in with the church, and the church multiplies what we're doing. And then when the church does this, it becomes even more exponential in multiplication to the world. I mean, this is a phenomenal, this is an upside-down way of thinking. This is God's multiplication where you gain that which you give. We get to be a part of this. How incredible is that? And, and so um, give thoughtfully. Did you see what it said? And also give voluntarily. Don't give re in reluctancy or under compulsion. I'm always nervous during campaigns to give a, a spiel because I don't want to be a salesman. This is between you and God. So here's my promise to you. We're not going to come knocking on your door. We're not going to panic you. If, if, this is, if you don't feel a, a, a sense of, I want to do this, then don't do it. You just miss out on being a part of what we're doing. That's all. Okay, this is not out of, don't, no pressure here, okay? If, if very little comes in, we'll just give what comes in. If a whole lot more comes in, we'll give what comes in. This, we're upfront and transparent about this from the beginning. And the last part, give cheerfully. I mean, just give cheerfully. If you don't have a joy in your heart, that's why this is called Heart Check. When Pastor Greg and the team started this many, many years ago, I'm so honored to be a part of this because here's the deal. I can't think of a better way to check your heart than what Jesus said. Where money is, there your treasure is. How do you handle money? Well, I want to be a part of God's investment strategy. I want to be a part of building a big bank account in heaven, and so I want to be a part of what God is doing in this. So, so as a family, we've always decided we're going to be generous, and we have been over and over and over again. You can't outgive God. And so this is, this is why today we're not taking any pledges, because we want you to pray about this. Think about it. Don't feel pressure. If you feel a sense of sweaty palms right now, this is between you and the Lord. I hope your heart is quickened because this is a great moment to say, wait a minute, where is my confession? Is my confession in me doing and controlling all of this world? I love that we're doing this during an election season. <laughs> I kind of love it because it gives us a chance to say, wait a minute, is our security in who governs us on earth? Or is our security in who owns us eternally, my creator? You can't get more of a stark clarity of where is my faith rooted? I want to check my heart and see. So I ask you a question again. Uh, really, how are you? I know there's a heaviness of circumstance right now. But I'm not going to ruin my life by staying under that circumstance and Letting my security in my way of doing things ruin the steps that I take. Instead, I'm going to rise above it and make the good, con good confession that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And when I gave him my life, he told me to count the cost. So God, I'm counting the cost and I want to be generous in who you've called, called me to pour into and how you want me to be a part of the kingdom of God. I get to be a part of this and so do you. No pressure, no guilt, no shame, just teaching what God tells us to do. And, I, and we get to respond to each accordingly in the way that God calls us. So go to the website, check it out, study this, pray about it. Get to know the ministries. I hope your heart breaks over some of the stories that you hear. There's videos on that website. It's phenomenally well done. There's so much information. Join in with us and see what God does in this. And I promise you, um, you're going to see God do things with you that only God can in the midst of a turbulent time, we're going to rise above and experience the, the goodness of confessing our life in Jesus Christ.
So let me pray over us and, and thank him for this privilege right now. Lord, I am uh, just humbled that we get to be a part of, uh, yet again, a movement of what you're doing through this church. And I know these are times like none of us have ever seen before. And yet, God, in some ways I say, so what? <laughs> Other people who have lived before us have lived through times that are even more complicated than these. And they got through them because they held fast to the good confession on Jesus Christ. Jesus, you gave your life for us that we would experience the abundance of your grace. I pray for anyone who maybe this has nothing to do with any kind of a giving deal today. They just, they realize, wait a minute, my life has been on shifting sand. And God, I want right now to know you. And so I pray that there is a repentance in their heart, that they will have the courage to confess sin to you and that they'll repent of that sin and fall into relationship with you and connect with you in a deep, deep abiding love relationship. And so I thank you, Lord, that you are always here for us to take us on this journey of walking by faith. I thank you for the incredible gift that we have to be called children of God. Help us, Lord, not to have anxiety right now, not to feel the, the pressure of the moment, but to rise above it, confessing our faith in you as the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's in Jesus' name that I pray this. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen.